Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. From the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. All right, welcome back. We are awaiting the college football playoff selections, and then we will discuss them and see what the other bowls are if they end up uh, early enough naming what the Missouri Bowl destination is. In the meantime, let's get to our NFL picks. Let's get those out of the way. John Mosellock's going to be with us at 1130, Sonny Gray, 1145. So you don't have a lot of time to do these. Here they are. Block by the left guard Tom Ackerman. And right here, let's go downstairs to Bonnie. Marv, if you remember that uh, big run Robert Holcomb had on the first drive, one of the guys responsible on help busting him loose was Tom Ackerman. Tom Ackerman up front, and this is a unit that has played very well. A good night for Eddie George. 21 carries, 74 yards. The left guard Tom Ackerman with the block that, that set him free. It's a first down. And let's take a look. Let's start with the game on KMOX tonight. It is the Chiefs and the Packers from Lambeau Field. Should be a terrific matchup. 7-20 on paper, at least. It's a great matchup. In terms of point spread, Chiefs are a five-point favorite. I think they're going to roll in this game. Uh, Green Bay is a great atmosphere, man. I mean, I love Lambeau Field. I'd say Lambeau Field, Arrowhead Stadium are my two favorites. I loved Pittsburgh. I don't want to leave anybody out, so I'll just stop. But they're, they're all great. But those are my two favorites. Lambeau Field, Arrowhead Stadium. That's the matchup tonight. Chiefs, Packers, I've got Kansas City minus five. I don't see any other way around it. A noon start today for Indianapolis and Tennessee on CBS. The Colts are a one-point favorite. I'm going to keep riding the Colts, Drew. I like the Colts' push to a playoff spot. They're starting to play pretty well. Uh, They have actually won three in a row, and I think it's going to be four in a row against the Tennessee Titans. I'm taking the Colts minus one today at Tennessee. The Chargers and New England from Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. The Chargers are a four and a half point favorite, and New England is awful. They are two and nine on the year, and I'm going to take the Chargers as a road favorite. Chargers minus four and a half. New Orleans at uh, New Orleans at home against Detroit. The Lions coming in hot. They are eight and three on the year. They are a four point favorite at the Superdome. However. They lost their last game at home to the Packers 29-22. And before that, they barely edged the Bears. And before that, they, in a shootout, beat the Chargers 41-38. They also have a big blistering loss on the road earlier in the season to the Ravens 38-6. The point I'm trying to make is I like the Lions, but I don't think they're as good as people say they are. Uh, They are 8-3, is what it is. Um, I'm going to take 
may surprise you a little bit. I'm going to take the Saints plus four at home against the Lions. Atlanta at the Jets. Falcons a two-point favorite at the Jets. I'm going to go Jets plus two just to shake it up a little bit. Falcons and Saints are battling for the NFC South right now with five and six records. They are tied with the losing record at the top of that bad division. Arizona at Pittsburgh. Steelers bounce back. They picked up a nice win at Cincinnati, even though the Bengals are without Joe Burrow. They're six-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Arizona. I think they cover that nicely. Minus six-and-a-half, I will take the Steelers. Miami at Washington. Dolphins, big favorite, eight-and-a-half points. I'll take them. Dolphins, minus eight-and-a-half at Washington. Denver at Houston's the last of the noon games. Texans are a three-point favorite at home. Good game here. A couple of six-and-five teams. I'm going to roll with the Broncos. I like the way they're playing. Uh, I'm going to go Broncos in this one. They're on a tear right now. They've won five in a row. They get Three points, I'll take them, plus three at Houston. The 305 game, Carolina at Tampa Bay. Bucks minus three at home against Carolina. I'll do it. Chiefs, uh, the uh, Bucks minus three at home against Carolina. Cleveland at the Rams. Love that Browns defense. Little shaky otherwise uh, as they lost to Denver and they have to continue on the road at the Rams. But I'm going to go with them here, plus three and a half at the Rams. And San Francisco, Philadelphia is a heck of a game. The Niners, a three-point favorite at Philadelphia. Niners are steamrolling right now. Eagles, however, I still think are the best team in the league, and I'm going to take them plus three in their own house against the 49ers. I mentioned Kansas City. I got a minus five in Cincinnati and Jacksonville. I will go on that Monday night game with... The Bengals getting 10. Even though the Bengals are banged up, I think they will find a way to muck this one up and make it somewhat of a game. Jacksonville wins the game, but they don't cover. I'm going Bengals plus 10 on Monday Night Football at Jacksonville. Those are NFL picks. A quick break. We come back. The college football playoff teams revealed. Don't go anywhere. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win. Billikens win. Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Welcome back. It's 1116. John Mosellock at the bottom of the hour. Sonny Gray wrapping up our show. From the winter meetings, we have Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne. Their coverage starts tomorrow morning. Really looking forward to everything that's going down there over the next few days. Jack Buck Awards on Tuesday night on KMOX. We'll give you that lineup as well. But right now, everyone's waiting to see what the college football playoff team selections are. They have not announced that yet officially, but we will keep an eye on it. Drew, get my attention because my back is to the monitor at the moment when we start to get uh, the teams coming in and we'll relay what those are. But let me just tell you what I think is going to happen. I think that Michigan, Washington are absolutely fine. And I think that the other two teams are going to be Texas and Alabama. And the reason that I say that, and I don't agree with it, but the reason I say that is they are weighing very heavily what the teams look like right now, the best four to play. And I know that your Georgia fans here are going to say, we're one of those. I mean, Kirby Smart told uh, Laura Rutledge on ESPN, the eye test should be part of this. Well, the eye test is one thing, but credentials are another. And in my estimation, you have to win a conference championship to get into this conversation. You can't just lose your conference title game and be the only one who didn't win. Uh, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Texas, Alabama, they all won their conference. So you can, that's not an argument to me. Georgia had their chance, and they lost on a neutral field that was actually in their home state, and they lost. And that game, 27-24, was controlled by Alabama throughout. I don't. There's no denying that. They controlled that football game and won that football game against Georgia. So Georgia, to me, is a non-factor here. They're not in this conversation. Ohio State isn't either, but we already knew that. They didn't make their conference title game. They lost at Ann Arbor, but they had their chance to, and they lost again to Michigan. They they don't get in either. Uh, this, to me, comes down to Florida State and Texas, and I know that you're going to howl about that if you don't like Alabama or the SEC, but the fact of the matter is Alabama won the SEC title. They lost one game. It was to Texas. I'll get to that in just a minute. But they have a very good strength of schedule, very good wins, and mostly they play in a conference that the committee is in love with. The SEC has five of the top 13 in their own CFP rankings. That's tough to beat. I mean, I I just don't see any way around. I'd be stunned if Alabama and the SEC got boxed out here just because Alabama beat Georgia that they're both out. I don't see that happening. Alabama's going to get in, I think. And I would have them at four. I would have them playing Michigan. Or at least this is what I think they're going to do. Play Michigan. And then the other one would be Washington and Texas. That gives an opportunity for Texas to play to play Alabama in the national championship game as a potential rematch if they both pull off wins. Here's why I say that. Florida State, I think, should be in this thing. But I think they're going to get boxed out, and I think the excuse will be that Alabama beat Georgia, and you can't let Alabama in and not let Texas in. Texas beat them early in the season, and I know that Florida State torched LSU, but unfortunately LSU and Clemson, by the way, they won at Clemson. But both of those teams fell out of the national championship picture, and therefore that for Florida State 
Their season started to take a downturn when they lost their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis. They lost their backup quarterback. They played a third string against Louisville, beat them 16-6. to Florida State's defense, in my estimation, excellent. I think they can hang with these teams. Defensively, offensively, they would struggle to score, and I think that's what the committee is going to say, that unfortunately they look at this and part of the criteria is injuries, are you the best of the four based on all of these criteria, and they're going to, I think, jump Texas over Florida State and maybe jump Texas all the way to three with Alabama four. And again, I would see a Michigan-Alabama-Washington-Texas matchup in the in the playoff. That knocks Florida State out, and it's not right. Because if that does happen, you're telling me that the ACC doesn't matter, the ACC championship doesn't matter, and conference championships don't matter, and the regular season, quite frankly, doesn't matter except for the Alabama-Texas game. I got it. Uh, it was a great game. Texas won in Tuscaloosa. But it's not right. You, you, it's a bad setup to begin with. You have a Power 5 and you have four playoff spots. Power 5 conferences, four playoff spots. Doesn't make sense. You can't squeeze five conference champs into four spots. Doesn't work. And that's what they're trying to do here. And Alabama put them, I'm glad they did actually, put them in a tough spot. It's about time. I'm so tired of... I know the debate gets everybody excited in some areas, but for people like me, I need a little more stability. I'm tired of guessing who the best teams are. I just want to see them play it out like every other sport does. Everybody plays a tournament of some length, except for college football, where they've never gotten it right. They used to have, you know, the old boy network and the bowls would would try to get together and and come up with a national champion, and then another team would declare that, well, we we were undefeated. We're the national champion. Because you're number one in the media poll. Well, we're the champs too. And so that's how that all shakes out. And then you would have the BCS, which ranked by computer number. And that was kind of ridiculous too. And then they tried this CFP committee, and you start to get subjectivity subjectivity you get arguments someone is going to be left out and it's not right and finally they will get it right next year and they will do a 12 team playoff which the first four will get a bye they'll work it together they'll have conference champions they'll have at largest people are going to argue about seeds 13 and 14 and 15 that they should have been in the top 12 but it's not going to be nearly as difficult as this is where you literally have an undefeated power five conference champion potentially getting left out here. We'll see because they're announcing the top four right now. Uh, Michigan has been announced as number one. It's expected and it's a good choice. Michigan has been accused of cheating. Michigan has been uh, dealing with disciplinary action in which their coach was suspended. Jim Harbaugh has actually been suspended twice this year. Got suspended early in the year for recruiting violations. Got suspended for the latter part of the year for sign-stealing accusations. And he has declared his team America's team, which is laughable. But admirable program. They did the damage to Iowa in the Big Ten title. They won it 26 to nothing. Iowa has no offense to speak of. Michigan did its job. Impressive win over Ohio State. They got challenged a few times here and there. Ohio State did the most damage to them, but Michigan is a solid football program. I don't think anybody would argue that even with all the accusations that have been hurled their way, they are a top four team in America. 
So now they found themselves at number one. And who will they play is a huge question. Comfortably in at number two is Washington. Washington gets the number two spot. That has also been confirmed by ESPN. They just announced it. They're the Pac-12 champs. Mike Penix, the quarterback. I think that they had a wonderful win over Oregon. And I think Washington is very, very formidable. I think Kalen DeBoer, their coach, has a wonderful offensive mind. And I think Washington is going to be very tough for this next team to handle because it has been officially announced, as I just predicted. The number three team in the college football playoff is Texas. I told you. Now we'll see what four ends up being, but I think I'm going to end up being right here. So Texas is going to play Washington. I told you, Drew. Number one is Michigan. Then we'll find out the all-important number four. I believed that it was between Florida State and Texas and that Alabama was a slam dunk to get in because they were the SEC champion and beat number one Georgia on that big stage and the love that everybody has on that committee for the SEC. So we'll see if I'm right. I don't think Georgia has a chance. They lost, and they definitely don't now. They, they, there's no way they would put Georgia over Alabama. But unfortunately, it leaves Florida State on the outside looking in if that is the case, if they put in an SEC team. Because Florida State, 13-0 ACC champion, again, torched LSU, won at Clemson. At the time, those were monster wins. I remember saying on this station that, to me, at that moment, Florida State was the number one team in the country. Now, they have slipped, and they are dealing with injuries, and they are not a team that I don't think anybody would want to see play Michigan. I don't know that they would have much of a chance against Michigan the way they are built right now. But they have earned their stripes. They did what they had to do. They ran the table. They won the conference. They're 13-0. and That's just where we are. Texas has been announced as number three. I thought they would do it. Texas beat Alabama. Texas won the Big 12. Texas is rolling right now. They slammed Oklahoma State. They have one loss to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, as it turns out, turned their season around and actually had a pretty strong finish, finished pretty high in the rankings. Understandable why Texas would be in that spot. And the number four team, it was just announced, as I predicted, Drew, it is Alabama. So I actually got it exactly right in the seating. Michigan one, Washington two, Texas three, Alabama four. I told you they're going to set up a rematch between Texas and Alabama because you can't, in their mind, you can't let Alabama in and not let Texas in, and that's going to be their justification for leaving out Florida State. It's not right to have Florida State out, but unfortunately, that's the way this system has been built, and the whole system is not right. So I feel bad for Florida State. They had a tremendous case. Unfortunately, that's the way things spill, and that's the way college football has set this up. So again, your college football playoff one through four, as announced just now on ESPN, is Michigan one, Washington two, Texas three, Alabama four. Let's play. When we come back, we'll hear from the Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosaloc, live from Nashville, Tennessee, at baseball's winter meetings. We'll chat with Mo. 
right after this on KMOX. Tom Ackerman. Welcome back to the show. Again, it is Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. Those are the top four for the college football playoff. We welcome in President of Baseball Operations of the St. Louis Cardinals, John Mosellock, who grew up in Boulder, Colorado, a fan of the Buffs, I would assume. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. You like those but you were when you were uh growing up in Colorado, they were pretty good, weren't they? The Buffaloes. I watched them in the eighties. Yeah, they were really good. I mean, well, it was actually a tale of two cities. When I first moved there they were really awful. And then uh, yeah, the back end they uh were really exciting. So yeah, fun college town, uh city. It's a great place to grow up and uh, have very fond memories of Boulder. Yeah, I attended one game at Folsom Field, love that place, and now Deion Sanders has them. Trying to get him going again. He had, uh, took a little bit of a turn there this year, but we'll see if he can get them back on track. Uh, your task in winter meetings and beyond is to get the Cardinals back on track. So far, so good. Uh, uh, check the boxes, pitching, pitching, and pitching. You've added three starters. Just your overall review of, of what's happened here over the last week or so, adding Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and Sonny Gray. Yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge of, of working in sports is, you know, these are just moments in time. Um, you know, we can pat ourselves on the back. We can say we've done great or we can say we haven't done great. But, you know, time will tell. I mean, that's why you, you play games. That's why, um, you know, it's important to try to position yourself to be successful when the season begins. Obviously, a lot of the decisions you make in the off season will help um, dictate that. But, you know, like I try to tell everyone, it's, December 3rd. Um, still lots of things that may happen over the course of the next couple months before we get to Jupiter. And I don't think it should simply be judged on how quickly you accomplish something or how quickly you try to accomplish something as much as, you know, we need patience. We need to um, still address some things on our club. And, and that's how we'll approach this upcoming week in Nashville at winter meetings. But even when we leave Nashville, it doesn't necessarily mean uh we're done or our, or every decision we've made is, is final. So there's, you know, things we're going to continue to work at. And, you know, part of that strategy is not something we're just going to publicly do, but, you know, to touch on the rotation, you know, clearly we look back at 2023 and we felt like that was one of the, the problems we had with our team. And so we did try to ramp up guys that could give us innings and, and get us a little deeper into games. And hopefully that improves your bullpen as well. So, you know, as you look back at the last month of the offseason, you know, it's certainly uh, um, we, we feel good about what we've done, but we also know that, um, you know, that's not really the, the final and be all. I get that. Uh, your first move was for Lance Lynn, bringing him back. Uh, he, as we all know, left after the 2017 season as a free agent and, as it turned out, had a pretty good run of success, had a, a blip um, more than a blip. I mean, he gave up 44 home runs last year, but I talked to Ollie Marmel about it a little bit. He said that the Cardinals and Lance both identified something that they think that could help him turn around, and that was part of the reason why he is now with the Cardinals. Do you agree with that? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> well aware of that, Tom. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I do feel like you know, the guy still has something left in the tank. He understands last year was, was not the year he uh, was really hoping for. So in terms of looking at some things that, that we think we can help them with, that, that both sides have agreed on, but also uh, a little bit of chip on his shoulder. You know, he knows that um, the year didn't go the way he wanted, and he wants to uh, redeem himself to some level. And, and so, 
you know, having a guy come in that, that understands the competitiveness and, and really sort of the, more importantly, just the day-to-day demands of this role is, is something I think that's uh, critical to our success. I think all three starters that we signed, you know, understand that it's their job to take the ball and it's their job to go as deep as they can. And then in terms of Kyle Gibson, we uh, see what he's done over the course of his career and 15 wins for a very good Baltimore team is certainly a big credential, but I, I note what he means as a leader in clubhouses and what kind of a person he is. That does matter, doesn't it, when you bring in somebody like that? Well, I definitely think all three of these guys have, have something to bring to, to clubhouse culture. And, you know, as, as much as innings are important, as much as success is, is important, this was also something that we valued. Um, you look back at a, at a very difficult year in 2023 and you try to identify things that you felt as an organization we could do better. And, and I definitely think like clubhouse atmosphere, accountability is something uh, that's important. And you think back to 2022 and you had, you know, the presence of Adam Wainwright, you had the presence of Yadier Molina, you had the presence of Albert Pools. Those are, you know, big, important figures. And yes, Adam was part of the club in 2023, but missing time, I think uh, um, when you're on the IL, it's harder to have that, that same impact. And so, you know, I think uh, one of the things that we thought was important was to try to uh, really ramp up how we think about culture and, and the importance of our um, clubhouse. I feel like you've always wanted Sonny Gray, the, even when he was a young man, that, that he just sort of fit at what you are all about as an organization. And it certainly feels that way now as, as it did then. Uh, he has pretty much everything you could want. Just how did this come together? When you weren't on our show last week, in retrospect, now I think back and I think, well, now I kind of see why. I mean, I was probably trying to finalize something with Sonny Gray on that Sunday, or was it before that? No, we had come to agreement before that. I actually said something personal going on. Oh, okay. but, uh, but, you know, overall, it was it was something that, I felt like from a timing standpoint, we really needed to first try to get some innings guys done. And that was where both Lance and Kyle fit in. And then ultimately um, then try to do something a, a little bigger. And then with, with Sonny, you know, obviously there was mutual interest both sides and then it just became, could we time it right? And, you know, fortunately for us, we did. And uh, certainly glad he's here um, to your point. Yep. Remember following him, his career when he was at Vanderbilt. Um, I remember that draft. I thought there was a really good chance we might get him. We didn't. And then, uh, you know, here we are, but uh, always a big fan of him, you know, super competitor really wanted to be here. And, and those are just traits we really value. Again, John Mozalock, president of baseball operations. I don't ever want to put you in a position to reveal strategy. I'm not trying to do that. I do look at this trade market and wonder how you look at it. The way I look at it is there seems to me that position players are at a premium. They're kind of hard to find. Everybody um, has looked at this pitching market. Uh, How do you see it? And do you feel like if you wanted to get engaged in the trade market that you have some pieces, if necessary, to move? Well, I think we all would agree we have some pieces to move. We're just trying to determine which ones. And, and if we decide to go down that path, you know, what's what's our return look like? And so just trying to really go through that exercise right now. Obviously, um, after we made the announcement of Sonny Gray, we really you know, sort of focused more now on what that trade market looks like. I think we have a pretty good feel for that. But, 
like anything, I think as this week sorts starts to unfold a little bit more, we'll have a, a better gauge of, of what we think is realistic or, or doable. And so I, I do think the next uh, three or four days will be meaningful and, and um, fun to follow. And I know you haven't closed the door on anything, to your point. It's always fluid and open. But I, I do see those needs in the bullpen, uh, as I know that you've mentioned before. What, what are they? What, what do you see in that bullpen that you would like to pursue? Well, I think a couple of things. One would be is if we had the ability to maybe get somebody who could be a swing person, meaning not afraid to take the balls in the rotation, but not afraid to uh, move to the bullpen or try to find someone that maybe could, uh, you know, take a more meaningful role in the bullpen. So we're just going to be open-minded. Um, we feel we have some strength from the left side. Um, we actually feel like, you know, ninth, eighth, seventh, we have some coverage, but as you know, on any given day, not everybody's available. So just adding some depth to that would be critical too, if we could, um, or helpful. Um, so, you know, we're just going to approach it with that mindset. And then finally, your staff and bringing on Daniel Descalso. I have not had a chance to talk to you. I know you've talked to the media about it, but gosh, I, I feel a real closeness between Ali Marmel and Daniel Descalso. And if and I'll follow up with a question about Yachty, but I, I want to touch on Descalso real quick, another world champion. I talked to Ali, and he seems overly enthusiastic about bringing in Descalzo. They are pretty tight, aren't they? They came up together. Yeah, they're definitely uh, close. You know, the one thing I think, like with with somebody like Danny, he he understands what you know our clubhouse is about. He understands what our expectations are about, and I really feel like you know with Ali, he was looking for that that sort of right hand man that that can connect with him, same page. And, and really move forward. I think when Skip left, that was definitely something of a void. As you recall last year, um, we, we then turned over the, the keys to that uh, Matt Holiday. But then when he um, backed out, we were really short on time to try to fill it. We went with Joe McEwing, and, and he did a nice job. But I feel like just from a relationship standpoint and expectation standpoint, where we, um, you know, Ollie and the group really wanted to try to find someone that really understood the, the, really what the Cardinals are about and maybe understanding more recently what it's about. And and so I think the, the fit moving forward should be a good one. And you mentioned Yadi. Obviously, he was somebody that we were talking with. Um, but it became clear that making this type of commitment would be difficult at this time. And so he's going to remain in Puerto Rico. And I'll probably have a more formal response to what 2024 will look like uh, either sometime this week or early next. Got it. I will wait for that, and I appreciate your time very much, as always. These 10 minutes are very valuable to us on these Sundays. Have a great uh, winter meetings. We have Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne down there, so they'll be asking you some questions in those media sessions and beyond, and we appreciate this time on Sports on a Sunday Morning. All right. Well, thank you, Tommy. Good to talk to John Mozella, Cardinals president of baseball operations. Sonny Gray, Cardinals pitcher, his visit with Matt Pauley is upcoming. Again, if you have missed it, the college football playoff teams have been announced. They are. And, you know, some are going to feel like the committee did it right, and some are going to feel like the committee did it wrong by leaving out Florida State. But they are number one, Michigan, number two, Washington, number three, Texas, number four, Alabama. What that means is Michigan is going to have to deal with Alabama in the college football semifinal. And let me tell you, 
Alabama is playing as well as anybody in the country right now. You could say that Florida State is not the same team as they were early in the year, and I would agree with you. I did feel like Florida State should have gotten a nod here as an undefeated champion in the ACC. But they are out, so we'll just deal with it and roll forward. The Also, argument can be made that Alabama is not the same team that it was when it lost to Texas. And Alabama is going to play Michigan. I'll be very curious to see how that spread is set and what that game looks like. The second one is the 2-3 matchup, and that is going to be Washington and Texas. What the committee has done here is they have set up a possible rematch between Alabama and Texas from Tuscaloosa. That was a huge topic among everybody that Texas deserved an entry because of their win over Alabama. Well, they may get their wish. They may get Alabama a second time. Good luck with that. We'll see how that all goes and shakes out coming up in January. We'll also take a look when we come back at what Missouri is going to get as more bowl announcements are rolling in. It is next on KMOX. Sonny Gray upcoming, the Cardinals pitcher with Matt Pauley. So you can hear a little bit from that if you haven't already. It's a good insight and good little primer as we head into the winter meetings. On that note, thank you to John Mosaylock for joining us, as he always does on these Sundays. Good, insightful stuff there from the Cardinals president of baseball operations. Uh, We did get word on the college football playoff rankings. They are final. And these teams will be playing for the national championship. It will be Michigan, number one, Washington, two, Texas, three, and Alabama, four. So Texas jumps four spots from seven to three. Alabama jumps four spots from eight to four. Florida State falls out, even though they went undefeated, 13-0, and and won the ACC title. They were deemed not one of the best four teams in the country. Georgia tumbled out from one after their loss to Alabama in the SEC championship. It is that official, uh, that cut and dried. It's over. Uh, There are your top four. So that's how it's going to go. I assure you that if Missouri was 13-0, that would be a different story because they would have won the SEC title uh, and they would be in. I feel pretty bad for Florida State fans, quite honestly. I mean, and the Florida State players. I don't know what... What exactly you have to do, except win all of your games. But I've never heard of you can't play for a national championship because you have an injury to your quarterback. So we're not going to rank you up there even though you've gone undefeated. We're actually going to downgrade you. That's that's hard stuff. And that's unfortunate for college football that it's structured that way. I will say that said, I mean, now that it's done, and I didn't necessarily agree with it, I do think it is an attractive group of brands. For the top four, it's Alabama and Georgia's fault that Florida State's not there. It's actually Georgia's fault for blowing the game. Alabama beat them. That knocks Florida State out, really, because you have to let Texas in, according to the committee. If Alabama wins, they they lost to Texas. So there you go. That's what it's going to be. We'll look at the rest of the bowls as they start to get announced. In the meantime, that's your college football playoff setup. And this is Cardinals pitcher Sonny Gray with Matt Pauley. Um, it's a good feeling. It's a good day. Um, not only for me, but for my family. And, um, we're excited. Like I said, um, St. Louis is a place that, that we've wanted to be at for a while now. So to get this opportunity and to, and to be here and to, uh, and to make it official is, um, 
it, 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 it feels good. It's a good day. It's a good day. In the big press conference, you talked about your desire to be a Cardinal and years of coming here and being seeing the fans in the stadium and everything. Can you speak to that a little bit more about just what the impact on this place had on you before becoming a Cardinal? Yeah. Um, you come here as a visitor and, and you see it, and the first thing is, is you see the stadium, and the stadium is, is beautiful. Um, and then you start talking to people, and you see the fans, and the fans show up, and every, what everyone says is, I mean, the outside perspective of St. Louis is like, oh, man, the, the fans are great. The fans are great. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great baseball city. Uh, you know, all these things. So you just hear those. For, you hear that for years and years. So, um, so yeah, then that was kind of like, you know what? It would, it, would be neat to, it would be neat to play there. And then, obviously, I'm from, I'm from Smyrna, Smyrna, Tennessee, which is not too far from here. Um, so then you kind of start thinking of that, you know, no, you know, it'd be awesome to play for St. Louis one day. And, um, like I said, the opportunity, the opportunity presented itself, um, I guess about two weeks ago to, it, it might be an option and it, and it might have some, some validity to it. And then it, so, you know, we pursued it and it, and it, and it worked out and, you know, kind of there, there towards the end, we kind of, um, with 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 Mo and Bo and everyone, we kind of worked to, to to get it done because it became a it became more clear that you know what like this let's 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 get it done with with St. Louis because that's that's where we want to be. A lot of Tennessee is Cardinal country. Did you grow up as a Cardinal fan or paying attention to the Cardinals? Um, I grew up watching three te- four, four teams. I would say we grew up watching the Braves, the Cubs, the Reds, and the Cardinals. Um, and there's always. Cardinals hats you see them all over especially when I was when I was younger they're always around um I grew up um just not a fan of one particular team just a fan of just kind of in general right just baseball but I also didn't watch a ton of baseball we were always outside just doing you know um but I never I never came to to St. Louis or anything no um but I'm 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 glad we're doing it now. You talked earlier about you like being coached, and I I heard Eric Kratz on Foul Territory tell a story earlier today about how in New York maybe the coaches weren't having you do what makes you your best self. What what's that process like for you working with coaches, making sure the coaches know you well enough mm-hmm. that they can help you become your best self? Yeah, um, I mean, if you heard me talking there and you've kind of followed me at all, that you know that I I do have a I do have a strong personality. I do have um, I do have a, a lot of fire. I do have my own thoughts. I do have a lot of my own ideas. But at the same time, it's like I love I love being coached. But but I also have to respect and understand, you know, where it's coming from. Um, and I don't know if that's I don't know what you know. Like I haven't growing up through the middle part of my life, and I don't know if I'm getting too deep, but this is just who I am. But my dad passed away when I was 14 years old, so I kind of went through high school, college. I kind of went through the middle part of my life with a lot of male authority figures, uh, you know, in my life. But I've also kind of went through it, you know, having to make a lot of my own decisions and, and doing my own thing. But I, I, I enjoy being coached because I, I think they y- you have someone who can put in the work I mean you put in the work together right and then you have ideas that you bounce back and forth off of each other um but you just have to I just have to 
show me that you put in the work and that you care because that's what you're going to get from me. You're going to, you're going to get someone who cares. Um, it may be hard to, to fully let people in, but when you get in, you're in. And, um, and, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. But, That's a great yeah. answer. Just a couple more moments with uh, Sonny Gray here on KMOX. Listening to you talk earlier, you talked about culture. You, your passion just exudes how much you love pitching, how much you love winning, and, and, and just the art of competition. How does you being D, that kind of DNA being built that way, what kind of impact can that make in a clubhouse? Um, I, I think players – uh, baseball players, especially when you're around it all day, I think guys can tell when it's faked and when it's, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, like that guy says the right things. Um, you know, he says the right things doing this or whatever. But, I mean, when you're around guys as much as you're around your teammates and everything, um, you can't fake it. So I think first and foremost is you can't fake it. It's got to be real. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be and, – and, and by saying that, like the best way is just – to naturally be yourself and that's one thing that i've learned going through some going through a struggle like you said in, in my earlier in my career was like when you get away from just being yourself and just being true to who you are that's when that's when you're you're not at your best and that's when you know so i think when you're around uh, uh, creating a culture and everything first and foremost is you just got to be real and you just got to be yourself and um and just let it, let it just, just, just open, just openly be yourself and, and let your true colors show. And that those, when I'm, when I'm doing that, that's, that is my true colors, my, my true colors. So, um, I think the more that you can be yourself and openly be your expel, be openly be yourself and just kind of let it all out there. I do think it makes it easier for then other people to do the same, um, which I think creates a strong bond. Last thing for you, non-baseball. Is there something about St. Louis, maybe food, attractions, something that you've been able to enjoy, you're looking forward to, maybe looking forward to sharing with your family? Is there anything non-baseball that um, really jumps out? Yeah, we love the arch. Okay. Um, family, Jessica and my two boys, uh, we came here this summer, and uh, we got to the top of the arch, and we did that and everything, and we made these. We had these coins. You know, it was like you can pay a dollar or whatever it is um, and get a coin or whatever, and we traveled around with. I still. I, I. I looked in my backpack this morning when I was flying up here and uh, looked in it, and there's one of those coins is still in there, um, which is cool. And I also. I told my five year old that it's the McDonald's arch, so like half of it is in like Wyoming, the other half is somewhere in like Wyoming. So he. I think he. I think he still believes that. I'm like he's we're we're gonna so. Uh, we liked that. We liked it. And we liked it. He. My, my five year old liked it so much that he hit a school. He had like a school project. Um, not too long ago and he's like all about me and right it was like favorite places favorite food favorite this favorite that and when it came to favorite places it was him it was a picture of him in front of the arch and that's what he wanted to put on it as his picture hmm. and went to his class and described it so um that's cool that's that's a, that's a place that's that's something that already has created a, a strong memory for us that is sunny gray with matt Pauley. I'm Tom Ackerman. Our winter meetings coverage gets really rolling tomorrow morning from Nashville. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 